I'm telling you, it's just not my cup of tea. It's not. Because mine was about a third vodka from a plastic bottle I keep in my car. Welcome to Video High, your B-movie education. Abandon all hope, ye who enter split second <laughs> from 1992. But before we get into it, let's do the roll call. First, Greg Hansen. The elevator pitch of It's Lethal Weapon in a Philip K. Dick novella really spoke to me. And I counter with the title, Does Martin Riggs Dream of Dystopian Jeeps? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. It tickles me to no end that the odds of Kim Cattrall wanting to do a sequel to this movie over ever showing her face on set with Sarah Jessica Parker again is honestly pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a pitch here. Would you rather do season three of And Just Like That or a sequel to Split, split Second? Split, split Second. <laughs> well, she could answer that question in a split second. In a split second, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. These strikes need to end. These strikes need to end. <laughs> Josh Roth. Well, another confusing title. You know what that means. It's time for Josh's updated ranking of misleading titles. <laughs> <laughs> Split second now comes in number one, followed by <laughs> Summer Camp Nightmare, followed by Steel Dawn, and trailing now is Naked Lunch. I really should get Cronenberg on the phone and congratulate him on this new ranking. And I'm Casey Regan. I think when most people say I would watch an actor do anything, they think like the classic example of like read the phone book, right? Mm -hmm. I now know that I would watch Rutger Hauer do anything, but anything is a much more like nebulous concept. <laughs> <laughs> anything on a philosophical scale. <laughs> I, I would watch Rutger Hauer skip merrily through my stream of consciousness. Um, all right, cool. So we'll cut there, and um, if you could all record and send me a laugh later tonight so I can edit it in right there, and then we'll be fine. Uh, what? Like a little moment of character to bridge from roll call to book report. Now we have to do more work because you can't stick to your lines. Uh, no, just cut the joke. We still need to finish tightening up the script for Act 1 banter section, and uh, <laughs> I just I can't be in the studio all night. I'm sorry. Fine, fine. Okay, so now move on to the book report. Uh, Stephanie is passing out the scripts and, uh, hey, uh, hey, Steph, could you also get one of the interns to run and grab some coffees for everyone and, um, oh, why not each one of us one of those gas station bags of chocolate donuts, too? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, speaking of the book report, I should tell you I took the liberty of making a few changes to the end of, uh, scene 12. What changes? You don't think it gets a little all over the place? Serial killer movie shtick, then some astrology jokes, and the apocalypse? It, you're just leaping from one wacky concept to the other. Yeah, that, that's what's funny. No, I'm with him, mate, and I really don't get what we're doing with the Jamie character anymore. She's got some new hobby or deranged story from her past, 
almost every <laughs> bloody episode. I left the RSC to do real character work, not faff about. Okay, cool it, Elsie. You left because this podcast could drop pounds or quids or whatever childish thing you call money in your lap. She's named after the guy from Malibu's Most Wanted, for Christ's sake. You knew what this was. You know what? I need some air. Everybody take five. God damn it, these floods. Do I need this cigarillo right now? The burning throat and turning stomach will calm my nerves. Damn it. Like every other fucking thing. Who's there? Uh, hate fucking rats. So I'll just turn slowly and look in the other direction now and... Uh, what the... What are you... No! No, God! No! <laughs> All right, folks, nothing to see here. Back to your business. Just jackbooted leather duster wearing cops scooping a man whose heart's been ripped out of his body from the city streets drenched in apocalyptic flood. Let's go, move along. Listen up, dickheads. I know one of you saw what happened. You saw it. But you're scared to come forward. But I've been hunting this thing a long time and I'm a cop. An over-the-edge loose cannon cop with nothing to lose, but you can trust me. Look, none of us know what happened. And we just lost our friend. <laughs> you want to play games, huh, dickhead? One of you saw it. And I'm going to get answers even if I have to blow your dickhead off. <laughs> really? Is this all necessary? We already told you we had a bit of a row and he stormed out. That was the last we saw of the old chap. <laughs> Blimey. What do you have? A dick for a head? <laughs> I can sense one of you saw it. It killed my partner. I turned away and it took him in a split second. <laughs> and I just got away with a scratch. But since then, we've been connected. I know when it's near. And I can sense when another has seen it, I think. Seems like a power I have anyway. Damn. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your partner. Really, we all were. I don't know. We knew Casey a while, so you know, we, we get it. <laughs> Thank you. That's actually really nice to hear. Okay, why did you? We put had me... a complicated relationship, but God, I miss him every day, and you don't know the half of it. This thing is pretty much driven insane or ripped the heart out of everyone I know. And <laughs> after all these years, my best guess is it's either because a serial killer has collected and eaten enough hearts to become some sort of superhuman beast or an apocalyptic demon as promised in Revelations, punishing me for committing adultery with his wife. <laughs> See, I'm telling you way too many concepts. Oh, no, 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 not again! Oh. oh, yeah? Well, stick this into your dick head. I can hear the monster's heartbeat. It's heartbeats. You hearing me? Because that's all I'm hearing, heartbeats. Dude, I've seen you drink literally eight cups of coffee while you've been here. If you're hearing your heart, that's the reason. Oh, oh sweetie, sweetie, it's okay. <laughs> what do you know, dickheads? <laughs> He can hear its heartbeat. Where'd he go? He knows it's out there. Somebody must have seen something. He knows what it can do 
Are you telling me? There's something running around loose in this city, ripping the hearts out of people and eating them. Maybe he eats them for breakfast. Now it's really pissing him off. Foster! And his new partner. I work alone. Makes two. It has the DNA structure of all its victims. It gives no warning. You ready to die? But one thing's for certain. We gotta get bigger guns! It ain't no pushover. Rutger Hauer. Split second. Can we talk about the police hovercraft that this movie opens with? Because I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? The police hovercraft? No, no, no. Did you miss speed, that? It was a speedboat. No, it was a hovercraft. No, it was a speedboat. No, no, no. Josh is right. The beginning no, of this, the police are in like a little like what? water level Mario yes. Kart uh, thing. Wait, wait. I, I, to be honest, do not remember a goddamn thing about the beginning of this movie <laughs> outside of the London 2008 title crawl. That's what I remember. Was there? Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get. Are to we it. all watching different versions of this movie <laughs> uh, again? This is cat darts all over again. <laughs> this movie was a lifetime ago. I do feel uh, BC AD'd by this okay. movie a little bit. What did everyone think? Loved. 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 It. Loved. Did not understand. Couldn't believe. Oh, actually understood too much. <laughs> right. But also cocaine? I don't know. I feel like cocaine okay. has to be mentioned in the review. Loved yeah. cocaine. I wrote, yeah. I wrote that in my You loved cocaine? Note. I love cocaine. I watched this movie with Justin, and and his reaction was, if we do a bunch of cocaine, we could write a movie like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Having watched this movie, it was a like tempting pitch. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I yeah, it, it, it is just someone snapping like this and being like, <sighs> dystopia and flooding and global warming and serial killer 666, the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpios are the devil. I dated one. <laughs> when we finally at the end see what the beast looks like, mm -hmm. like more clearly, this whole movie felt to me like there was some genius who was making an alien ripoff. Yes. Saw that costume and was like, well, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> What? He's too Whoa. swole. <laughs> Alien's not that swole. <laughs> oh my god, it's a conspiracy theory magnum opus, is what this script is. It's everything. Well, that is true. I mean, <laughs> wait, the what? No, 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 no. I just mean like the plotting in the middle to late portion oh, of man. this movie oh, yeah. is just like every conspiracy for the last sixty years. Get in there. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys! We got we got food. Mm. Yes, you too, flat Earth. Get over. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. See, with me, I don't know if it was like the COVID haze that I was in, but this movie it was throwing too many things at my brain for it to stick. Like I was like, "What? So is it the devil or is it not the devil?" Yes. <laughs> this yes. movie, this movie made up for its complete lack of ideas with. Sheer magnitude of lack of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Give them the old razzle dazzle. It's Herculean. Yeah. They went, it could be astrology, and they went, yeah. It could be 
a crazed psychopathic serial killer? They go, yeah. They're like, oh, it could be like, I don't know, what if it's a monster? They go, yeah. They're like, what if it's actually the devil? They go, yeah. Yeah, sure. This movie is improv the movie where (laughs) they just kept saying yes and every time an idea was pitched. And it's so fucking appropriate, at least for me. To answer your question, Josh, what did I think of this movie? Most appropriate song to end with was Cab Calloway's That Old Black Magic. Oh, my God. What you just (laughs) described, Greg, that is That Old Black Magic to me. (laughs) As exactly like the perfect brew of what I'm looking for in a movie like this. It's also got some serious acting I was going to say, it also rewards you with performance and people who are fully committed. Yeah, everyone is in it and they know what movie they're in. And it's right, that's wonderful. it. It's like full of people. You can just sort of put a camera on and you're all right. Like Rucker Hauer and Kim Cattrall and like the guy who plays the chief. Pete Postlethwaite. And Pete uh. Postlethwaite. And who is, God, uh, talk about criminally underusing yes. an actor. Yes, yeah, who is there? <laughs> like, the most like, is there. the most underused actor in anything ever, but he does have one great monologue that he delivers through like a smushed face that <laughs> yeah. is absolutely delightful. Yeah, even the rat catcher guy, it's like everyone is... Yeah. Michael, Ma- Michael too, J. Yeah. Pollard. Yeah, and using them to say just increasingly insane things. It will never not be a good movie for me. <laughs> like, a, like a very sad. I'm gonna movie. surprise y'all a little bit. This movie went through a lot of rewrites. <gasps> what? <laughs> even, <laughs> even during filming. <gasps> no. no, no. Come on. I know. I ghostwriter. I too am. No, not even. Apparently, it was just. It was oh, just wow. the writer, just they they couldn't settle on a bunch of stuff that they wanted to happen, and such to the point where <laughs> the final act, the original director, walked away after initial production. Part of the crew comes back and shoots a new ending. You could never tell. You, you know, yeah. It's, Is that it's from crazy. Dick Breaking Bad onwards? Because I did feel like... I blinked and looked up, and Dick was suddenly the most manically wonderful <laughs> character in the world. I think it was. I think it was simply the the final s- sequence in the oh, okay. in, in the tube. They couldn't figure out what they wanted to do, and they couldn't figure out how they wanted to end it, and they also couldn't figure out what they wanted the killer to look like. Uh, yeah. So okay. that makes way. More so sense. ultimately, the creature designer had only three weeks to make the the suit, which explains a little bit why you never see it in the rest yeah. of the movie. Yeah. It's only in that set. The only other thing you see are the claws and the like, the mold of the teeth, which I'm now just realizing was probably from the creature designer. <laughs> that was probably just the thing well, he and, used. And there was also oh, sometimes we'll, the let's shot. Let's just use it as your. I'm sorry. There's also sometimes a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Casey, finish your joke. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It wasn't worth it. Mine's not either. (laughs) One of you has to (laughs) No, no. Both of you get to uh, say you're sorry to each other and shake hands. I'm sorry, sorry, Casey. I'm sorry, Jamie. (laughs) Now you know how it feels. morning to you, class. I'm Cy, Sergeant O'Reilly, the stereotypical old-timey Irish cop who also works in this London precinct, but predictably doesn't get any screen time. Damn British rocks. That's as far as the joke goes in this announcement, so I hope everyone's ready to just hear Jamie's thoughts, but with this accent. Anyway... Our tale 
begins in London 2008 with quite the title crawl explaining the dystopia we live in. Torrential rains, pollution, global warming, almost endless nights, it's all fascinating colour but really only exists to explain the moody cinematography of the film and the nearly constantly flooded streets that our heroes wade through. And I guess kind of how a serial killer monster could be on the loose. Enter the star of this dystopian landscape, Rutger Hauer, a steampunk badass with a big gun and an even bigger cigar. Although he looks like a titular hobo with a shotgun, he's actually a police officer, a fact that he discloses to a guard dog at a club who barks at him, leading viewers to question, do dogs talk in this future? No, it's the Rutger Hauers who are on. He is Officer Harley Stone, and he's in the steampunk strip club to investigate and drink two coffees with extra sugar to meet their drink minimum. A patron asks if he can guard the door to the men's room while she goes to the bathroom and coquettishly tells him not to peek. But he could not be less concerned about the situation because his attention is drawn elsewhere, namely the diegetic heartbeat sound effect that both he and the audience can hear, and which means his quarry is nearby. Suddenly, the bathroom woman's scream pierces the night. Her bloody corpse is found with her heart ripped clear out of it. A taunting, I'm back, has been written in blood on the mirror. Stone is sent into hysterics befitting a cop and draws his gun on everyone in the club, (laughs) including the earlier guard dog and a fellow police officer who announces himself. The police officer in question, Dick Durkin, reports the incident to his superior and that it took four officers to ultimately subdue Stone. He's a loose cannon, a crazy person, and he's Dick's new partner. Rot row! <laughs> the chief downloads Dick on Stone's trauma. A serial killer murdered his partner Foster three years ago. He had an affair with Foster's wife, left her, and went mental, subsisting on coffee, booze, and chocolate. My kind of diet! After being released from Holden, Stone goes to see the chief and demand why his big old gun that is not precinct approved has been confiscated. He states that the serial killer is back, but Durkin has difficulty believing that, stating that all evidence to the contrary points out that serial killers of this type usually do not come back. But he changes his tune when he learns the killer's secret M.O. is ripping his victim's hearts out. Durkin seems fascinated with the killer's whole deal, and especially how Stone was able to just tell where he was going to strike the previous night. Stone is unfazed. His chief says that he has anxiety neurosis and is unstable, but regardless, he's being taken off of suspension under the condition that he has to partner with Durkin. Stone is not the most popular cop in the precinct, and Detective Peter Postlewaite is not happy that Stone is getting mysterious coolers probably filled with inexplicable beer delivered to the office. But it's not the mis- but it's not mystery beer. The stack has gone. It's gone. I can't. You promise. I promise. Now you know how Casey feels. I- yeah, the character could have could have been born in Ireland, but studied police Moved work in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. But it's not mystery beer. It's a torn out heart with a bite taken out of it. The chief demands they get forensics on making a mold from the teeth imprints and to find out who delivered the cooler. Stone and Durkin investigate another murder with the killer's M.O. The killer left behind Stone's ex-partner's gun and an intricate painting of the Scorpio constellation on the ceiling in blood. Durkin is sure they're dealing with a psychotic with psychopathic personality. Stone is convinced they're dealing with a beast, not a man. Also, the rats in this world are super mutated, horrible, and out for blood. But that doesn't have a lot of consequence besides seeing Stone blow one away with his mega gun. 
Stone goes to blow off steam at the gravesite of his ex-partner, but he's not alone. Foster's ex-wife is visiting London and paying her respects. She'd also like to pay her respects to Stone, if you know what she means. Though I'm mostly just inserting that sexual undertone into the scene because it's Samantha from Sex and the City, and that's what she would say. Maybe. I've seen one episode. <laughs> Stone invites Michelle to stay for the night, and the two catch up. How Stone had been suspended and is sober, how Michelle works with children as a psychologist, and how her ex-husband's mother is in constant grief. Stone's apartment is fitting of a TV's hoarders, and has more pigeons than a Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner. <laughs> you couldn't call it the most mood-setting establishment, which is good, because it isn't. Stone falls asleep instantly, and Michelle cozies up next to him while a piano cover of Knights in White Satin plays. Girl, what?! <laughs> <laughs> I love how act one of this movie is a different movie. Yes. <laughs> this was the act I understood, and I'm glad I wrote the book report for it. <laughs> I had totally forgotten it as well. I, I thought I didn't. I thought I was just ha-ha laughing with my buddy Greg's joke. But no, Jamie, you were talking about the first scene. The dog, I of course. Yeah, of course, but, of course. There's no forgetting. But but the fact that the creature we later see wrote "I'm back" with its big pointy finger on the window. This maybe demon from hell, maybe Satan embodied on the planet. Is snarky, is it's doing snarky. little snarky things with its nose, uh, must be, because there's no way it's putting its Edward Scissor hands onto a window and writing, I'm back no. like that. And like they explain the serial killer strikes like on the new moon once every five years. Yes. And then, and then like, kills before midnight. Kills before midnight. And then yeah. that is instantly given away for the rest of the movie, where it's just like, I'm just going to kill everyone. <laughs> no, in fact, when. We go to our second murder scene. Rucker Hauer is like, what was the time of death? And the, the yeah. coroner's like, well, I'd estimate the TOD to be. And Rucker Hauer goes, 6.30. <laughs> the most satanic of all the times, Casey. <laughs> really shouldn't have been 7.16 because it'd be 6.66. Six, six. Six. All right. All right. <laughs> or no, 7.06. 7.06, yeah, yeah no. 7.06, no. yeah. Yeah. But, but but that's just one of the many questions in this movie not answered. Yeah. How did you know that? It's 6.30. Uh, I mean, I guess it was later to assume that, like, because he, like, felt the death happen at six, I don't know. He's psychically linked, so he... I don't... Yeah. I do love... Uh, I, it's unclear. Inexplicably yeah. slaggy. I love that, and I love that it's never explained. It, the D yeah. yeah, it is, because the DNA is it absorbed. It absorbs the DNA of all of its victims. Yeah. The scratch. He got, he got some DNA in this there. This movie... More than most movies, you have no idea where the end of the movie is going to be at the beginning of the movie, and not because it has some crazy plot twist no. or <laughs> misdirect. No, this movie just takes the genre that it's in and just goes, <laughs> just kind of puts it in a salad spinner, just like, woo, let's go. Like, like what does its dystopian setting really serve for us besides a lot of water yeah besides atmosphere a lot of rats but like infrastructure you can't put Rucker Hauer into a movie unless it's Blade Runner I guess oh, I guess that's yeah. true I'm pretty sure that's, that's his, his writer <laughs> apparently it was written uh, originally for Harrison Ford which <laughs> is double wow. funny so funny uh, 
but they were happy enough with Rucker Howard. <laughs> it's like the idea of being like, all right, the guy from Blade Runner, they're like, We've got the guy from Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. We've got a guy from Blade Runner. Yeah, good. We don't have to change the texts on the cover. <laughs> Starring the guy from Star- Blade Runner. The they were like, Harrison Ford, no. Brian James, n- no. Uh, oh, if it was James Hong, this would be the greatest movie yeah. ever. <laughs> Police, dickhead. Fifty quid. Two drinks minimum. Access code. Special unit, can I help you? Give me panel Donald, please. One moment, I'll transfer you. Come on, Pat. Excuse me, please. I have to pee. Could you wash the door for me? Sure, babe. Thank you. Don't be a creepy pig, okay? Hi, Pat. It's Stone here. Did you get a report yet? No. Maybe the bastard won't show this time. He'll show. Who else thought he could talk to dogs? I thought he could, I talk, thought he to could talk to dogs. I thought he could talk to dogs. <laughs> I thought he could talk to dogs. I thought he was just psychic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I loved the idea that his character is just that he thinks dogs are dickheads. <laughs> he is so intense to that dog. It's so or, funny. <laughs> I really thought for a moment that the misdirect was going to be that the dog's name was Dickhead. <laughs> but also, every time I thought this movie was going to do something, it 1,000% didn't. Yeah. No. yeah, absolutely. Not even just a little bit didn't, it the most didn't. I, I mean, because you all agree with me that the way we all thought this movie was going was that he was the monster, right? Like, there, there was... Like, no. I, I, no. Oh, really? No. I Not could see a, a world, but... Oh, I the whole time I was waiting for them to explain like the they've all happened during these blackout rage blackouts you've been having, and that's why it always happens in the same place you're in. And then it was like this no. movie is pre Fight Club. It's not that, that's not the <laughs> yeah. the twists. That twist, if the movie was made ten years later, one thousand percent would have been the twist. In all honesty, at the beginning of this movie, when it plays the opening crawl which is very quick yes. is so funny it's just like an aside it's like a, it's like we're being led into the room of the movie yeah. and right at the last second the person leading us turns over and is like by the way it's 2008 and um, <laughs> it's polluted and also maybe Noah Flood 40 days 40 nights okay so come on in come on, come on. Like, what about the mutant rats we'll tell you about that later don't worry yeah rats yeah yeah I, I, so just the fact I remember thinking like oh my god it's both like a global warming pollution thing and you know it rained for 40 days or whatever we I, are we going with some sort of biblical yep. metaphor here is this going what what is this going to be this is too many concepts oh god how naive i was <laughs> back then <laughs> and then honestly the greatest bit of like noir foreshadowing the best macguffin of this movie is in the opening credits when it was uh uh, Michael J. Pollard as the yeah. rat catcher. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, pollution. There's a character named the rat catcher in it. This is going to be some sort of like serial killer, maybe a little mutanty, but uh, more just like a polluted city dweller. 
like living in the walls and killing people and Michael J. Pollard's gonna play like a real creep, right? No, I was I was wrong. <laughs> I was so I was so wrong. The minute that the the you know way down the line, but when we see that first quick blur of a very muscular body running through the shootout, I was like, oh my god, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> what are they fighting? A Beetleborg? A Beetleborg has <laughs> gone bad. <laughs> god, I haven't thought about Beetleborgs but in years. What I was trying to say earlier is like there's so many also in this first act fake out shots of like monster POV where the monster is clearly like standing amongst the crowd of people watching the carnage. It's like, but if he was, people would have <laughs> known <laughs> who he was. Well, they didn't know he looked like that at that point in the <laughs> filmmaking process. So. Yeah. yeah, the one element of the movie that they set up, I think, really well, in my mind, because I, in a brief Googling of this movie, saw a picture of of the face of the, of the thing. So I kind of oh, knew... No. Which is the a little part of it. A little bit of a bummer <laughs> knowing that it's a monster going in. But I was right. like, all right, well, like okay. whatever. What I thought that they were gonna do is like, especially with the title, that they were like, this thing moves so quickly and it's always, you know, in the corner of your vision. You never really see it. And that like they were gonna put this thing in the background of a bunch of these scenes and like have it move. And like, and like be this Easter egg or whatever. And at the beginning, that's sort of the way to me it felt like is like, oh, this thing is in all of these scenes doing something and we're never quite sure. And then like the reveal at the end of the scene or at the end of two scenes is what it's been doing. And and they've and the camera's been misdirecting you into looking over here when the thing is actually on the other side of frame doing something in the shadows or whatever. And then that 1000% is not what they were doing. (laughs) And I was like, that's a bummer because they actually did all of the work to do that just very accidentally. (laughs) But by being like, we've got all of this monster cam footage that we have to jam into the movie. And I was like, ooh, that means it's going to be like, they're set, uh, no, they're not set, oh, they don't know what they're doing. This is Casablanca. They're they're writing this movie during the movie. Oh, shit. (laughs) In that, you say it's Casablanca and that it's a classic? Yes. (laughs) A classic? Deserved of an AFI top uh, something? Deserved of some top from the AFI Institute. <laughs> members AFI. of the AFI. <laughs> Up top. <laughs> How did you know he was going to strike at that club last night? I didn't. But you were there before he struck. So. That's an incredible coincidence. Do you know what this is? It's a medical report on you. The doctors say you have anxiety neurosis to the point of being paranoid. Doctors don't know shit. How many weapons are you carrying besides this cannon? An MP-15. What else? A Glock 50. And? An A3 assault shotgun. That's not paranoid. I don't know what the fuck is. I'm surprised you don't have a grenade launcher. Couldn't get a permit. So, Jamie, how was it to see slob representation on film? Slob. Oh, from D&D. No, slob. Slop. Oh, like me. Like his living situation. Wow. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Josh is my wow. God. All right. Burn okay. Wow. So, so, current, so, wow. so we have Jamie calling out Josh <laughs> for being the kid in Summer Camp Nightmare. <laughs> Turn about. At, and now it's I'm Josh it back. saying Jamie is Detective Harley Stone 
in her ability to not clean the apartment. I'm just saying that, I mean, a, that apartment doesn't not look like our <laughs> I mean, I am seeing the back of this uh, Zoom screen. That's clean. <laughs> look, you, at least Harley Stone kept his grenades in the fridge. What are you doing? Those are just, you just got loose grenades back there. <laughs> I, sorry that your joke was ruined by me being like, did he say Slav? Like yeah, Slavic? Slav. <laughs> yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. Heard Slav but also, too. Wait, did you just think I said Slav? But I thought you said Slav like Slav five days. I jumped character. to literally every word except what you Took were going so for. Long so for the I'm joke sorry. I had to hammer it home. Jamie couldn't believe that the person she loved would be capable. I was of. willing to throw my wife under the bus for a joke, and the it, joke never it came. It didn't work out. I saw it happening and I was like, this is this is gonna go poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would go poorly, but it went poorly in ways I didn't, didn't expect. expect. <laughs> Stone's hovel is an insult to hovels. Like this the guy lives in in true filth and squalor. He at one point after actually immediately after the flashback, I've been parsing this sentence that I wrote for about three minutes now. Stone wakes up with a pigeon hat. <laughs> he wakes up and there's just a pigeon sitting on his head. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else in Act One? <laughs> wait, wait. Everything. I want. I do want to talk about everything, but I also don't want to talk about. I, anything. I mean, yeah. There's a million things. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to remember literally what there's to talk Pete about. There's Pete Postlewaite. There's Pete God, he's who... so fucking good. I love him. I literally. I wrote hearts next to his name. <laughs> <laughs> he also just at, at several points in this movie he you know he's the guy who's saying out loud how r reckless and dangerous Harley Stone's methods are and how shitty it was to fuck your partner and best friend's wife <laughs> before his death Correct. dump her afterwards which is yeah all around pretty shitty <laughs> whenever Rucker Howard grabs him it like Pete Postlewaite just like everyone in this movie kind of gets lost in Rutger Hauer's eyes for a second. Like, there's so many... There's one so many scenes of Rutger Hauer grabbing people by the yep. lapels and pushing them up against something. And they're all horny scared. And they're all horny <laughs> scared. They're all, like, entranced oh by God. his blue eyes. Just yeah. below frame, there yeah. are so many raised <laughs> tension. <Yeah. laughs> are you psychic or something? Your fucking attitude is driving me nuts. Where does you are nuts? I shouldn't have said that, but since we're working together, it's best if we're honest with each other. Thanks to you. We're not working together, and I'm not nuts. Okay, okay. Look, you may not like me, but I'm good at this. I've got nonos and serial homicide. Oh, terrific. I spent a year with the Behavioral Science Division studying serial killers, and another year with Interpol. I'm not some idiot straight out of police school. Did you know Charles Manson was a Scorpio? There are no similarities between the victims. There has to be. This beast doesn't care what it kills. Why do you call him a beast? What would you call something with teeth like this? I'm wondering, has there ever been a movie made about a cop who is too close to the edge who isn't the best. <laughs> there, it's always like it's always like he blew up a city block. He he mowed down a a little old lady walking her dog. He spat in the president's face. 
but he's the best and he's your new partner. Like he's always yeah. the best. Is yeah, there yeah. ever a movie where it's just like He's going crazy. We don't know what he's going to do, but he's got like some good ideas. I, th- like, I think the police not- unions are just too strong. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's right. their line. And, and that's, how, yeah. that's how cops don't get suspended for too long. He's totally reckless, but he does close about, I don't know, he's got like a 45% arrest rate, which is pretty good on homicide on this department. He's pretty good, right? It's like always, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, He's like, he's okay, yeah. I mean, you know. He gets it done. He gets it done. <laughs> he's also a crazy character to have as both lead and love interest. Like, I love him as a character, but there is no world where I can back Michelle being with this maniac. <laughs> this this movie is a fucking who's who of ugly bastards with receding hairlines. <laughs> yeah. How dare you say that about Kim Cattrall? <laughs> yeah, the, the idea that Kim that at some point somebody looked at Kim Cattrall and then looked at Rutger Hauer and went, uh? <laughs> Yeah. But Kim Cattrall uh, can sell any of it. Yeah, like, she does. Like, she can. She does. She sure does. But she just came off of fucking, she came off of uh, Big Trouble Little China not to, like, you know, it's like, it like Kurt Russell, <gasps> Rutger Hauer. Yeah. And I love Rutger Hauer. But like Rutger Hauer in... 1992 is having his Charles Bronson death wish moment where he's like chubby (laughs) and weird looking and and they're just like yeah but he looks good with a gun and so let's just like put him in a big duster and just cover the flab a little bit it doesn't really matter that much like it's so funny to have over the hill action heroes yeah and the 90s Rucker Hauer has a really funny action outbreak where we're like it's like this and Omega Doom and Blind Fury like he becomes an action star Omega in Doom. the 90s. Love that title. Also I love you know ladies you can imagine this going home with a guy who looks like he smells like cars they don't make anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You open his fridge and he's got nothing but like bags of Malamars in his fridge. And then you stay. (laughs) When was the last time you cleaned this place? Don't remember. It's good to see you. Sorry about the pigeons. I can't kill it. How's Foster's mom? Mm, the same. I don't think she'll ever get over it. Yes. How are you? Me, I'm crazy as ever. Let me see. Hamilton too. Kim Cattrall doing her Uma Thurman thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she does have Uma Thurman. Oh, my God. Oh, and hair. The hair of Kim Cattrall in this movie was the thing that rendered my mind the most. Because when she stepped on screen, I was like, this is 
the most distracting wig. Oh, this <laughs> is so okay, so I had the same thought, and then I got even more distracted because she does this like acting. Later she keeps she's pushing, pushing it. it. She's pushing she keeps it. pushing it. And I'm like, yeah. but it, she's like believably pushing. I'm like, is it a wig? It is. A Surely wig. she. It, it would be moved if that Surely was. Surely it would be they, coming off when they first. Jamie, when they first go to Harley Stone's apartment, yes. right? Give this movie five stars and an award and a Criterion label. <laughs> If only for the fact that there was someone on set that day whose job was throw a pigeon at Kim Cattrall's head. <laughs> pigeon wrangler, yeah. yes. I, I, but, and then they step over to, you know, I assume air out uh, Harley Stone's disgusting stinky apartment right <laughs> and they open a window yes. and Kim Cattrall stands by it and they angle a fan. like a fan <laughs> at the wig yeah. not at not at Rucker Hauer <laughs> no, at- just at this like distracting wig as if to be like if it was a wig it obviously blow. it's Maury's wigs like they're yes. doing Maury's wigs <laughs> on Kim Cattrall <laughs> stays on in a storm it made my, again rendered my mind I was like did they throw a pigeon at her head to once again prove that it wasn't obviously a wig <laughs> she showers later she showers she showers they get it wet and I was like it's her hair no, no. it couldn't have been there's it no way. Be her hair it's definitely a wig but why is it so strong it's so strong. And why did they spend the most amount of time that this movie spends on any, like, selling any concept visually? <laughs> selling that this is definitely Kim Cattrall's hair. You know they called me crazy, but I'm not crazy. I just have the Act 2 synopsis for you. After waking up from his exposition dream, Stone sees Crazy Durkin being super weird and doing Tai Chi on top of his Jeep. And uh, after eating and drinking some filth that he finds around his hovel, despite a (laughs) maniac killer showing up anywhere and everywhere, he decides to leave his sleeping love interest in his deserted apartment so that he and Durkin can go and get some grub. Due to a series of scene cuts, suddenly Durkin (laughs) is asleep in his Jeep despite it being a very reasonable amount of on-screen time between scenes. Stone plays a very funny trick on Durkin by tying his shoes together and turning on the siren so that he almost shoots Stone. (laughs) What a crack up. At the dive bar, Stone orders breakfast. Legitimately, just asks for breakfast. While Durkin orders Lapsang Suchang and a croissant, which shows just how foppish he is. Stone doesn't know shit about the occult or none of that astrology shit, but the movie has a spiritual awakening and it's all about how he's a Scorpio, the most in tune with evil, and he's a psychic and a bunch of other stuff, whatever they could just jam into the movie, really. Meanwhile, there's a break-in at Stone's apartment and they rush home to find Michelle to be... Totally fine. But that means it's somewhere else in the building, which they find in the bottom floor apartment. It has taken Stone's shotgun and blows Durkin through a window before Stone and the Thing have a human monster shootout that Area 51 would blush at. After it hightails out, it's revealed that Michelle has been bitten by the monster, which is now her psychic link. As they're cleaning up the crime scene, Stone starts to hyperventilate and passes out coming to in the infirmary and quickly learning that, well, of of course, 
Durkin is not dead because like anyone in a movie like this, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. <laughs> Peter Postlewaite, AKA Casey's dad, is on hand to tell him the crazy news that there's rat disease DNA present in the bite on the victim and that the only fingerprints at the scene are fosters. <gasps> but also that he turned in stone because he's a damn liability. Also, the thing has the DNA of all of his victims. Listeners, are you getting all these details? <laughs> because there's a lot. And boy, howdy, there's a lot more coming. <laughs> The victim's heart wasn't taken, which means it's coming back for it. So they've got to get to the morgue to find it because the security sure is lax at this future police department. <laughs> While they're doing some alien ripoff scenes, the thing comes out of the ceiling. They shoot at it, but it Kool-Aid man's out of the scene. Durkin has finally seen the thing and he starts to Lovecraft protagonist hard. He gets nervous. He talks fast. He needs coffee and sugar and now! And they need big guns! So they get them. Really big guns. And the police just, you know, kind of give it to them. And they start walking around with anti-tank weaponry and going off on QAnon shit, saying that this thing is the sum of all serial killers. And they realize it's the year of the rat! Also, there's a Scorpio water lake. Also, <laughs> Satan. And it's trying to steal the souls of the victims to bring back to hell. And they tell this to the chief, who takes it all rather well. And doesn't seem really all that mad that they're going to go riot at the Capitol after this. <laughs> back at Stone's apartment, they're trying to put all the clues together. But first, they need a good cup of joe with a splash of heart in the fridge. <laughs> Shit. And there's water flooding out of the bathroom. Uh, but it's actually just Michelle, who can't get the sticky blood off her hand. She found the heart first, and she left it in the fridge, which is good, <laughs> so it doesn't spoil. And Stone needs to give Michelle a little snuggle time. So he sends Durkin outside alone, which has been a traditionally good thing in this movie. So, you know, it's good for him to have a little break and just be by himself for a little while and, you know, collect his thoughts. Nothing, nothing bad could happen there, right? Why does this monster hate Rucker Hauer so much? Yeah, that is one thing that the later, the later reveal of this being basically Satan begs the question of, okay, so Satan hates this one cop? <laughs> yeah. I think it's because he committed the sin of adultery, y'all. <laughs> the only one. He's the only one. He's the only person dis- who's ever cheated. <laughs> so he kills the guy who's being cheated on. <laughs> It's your fault, yeah. too. Fucking cock. You should have been a more attentive lover. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he hates him so much to, like, leave the partner's gun to taunt him and taunt him with things and, like, almost kill Kim Cattrall, but just in a show of power that he could have killed Kim Cattrall. It's like, I don't know, just kill Rutger Hauer, bro. There are yeah. so many crazy ideas in this movie at the point when they go, it was your partner's fingerprints all over the, the thing. You're like... That's crazy. What yeah. does that mean? And then they go, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. I had to write down the rant that Durkin goes on where he's like, just just c- 
cocaine stream of consciousness thinking like all the different clues putting them together 25th year 78th cycle chinese calendar 2080 is the year of the rat Circle is the sign of magic and power. Scorpio is susceptible to evil. Satan is evil. Cannibals eat hearts to gain souls. It's eating hearts for souls because it thinks it's Satan taking souls back to hell. What the... Huh? Why does the year of the rat matter? (laughs) At a certain point in the movie, I just assumed that the monster was... Or that the killer was a mutant... Like hybrid, like, like it, the thing, it, yeah, but also a rat. So it was like a rat thing, not a rat king, a rat a thing. thing. Oh, I like it. I like but it. But like, there were the posters everywhere of like the rats, and we saw the like mutant rat puppet thing. I had assumed like a rat king had come together, turned into a thingamadoodle, and then taken over foster which is like why he like vanishes into the oh my god and then that would have been so great (laughs) yeah so so what you're talking about is uh is men in black right is uh (laughs) this movie isn't not a little men in blacky yeah but it doesn't as opposed to the uh (laughs) the veteran being like super capable but cold mentor figure Rucker Howard's like a loose cannon cop on the edge. Like he's, on the, he like, is the most loose cannon cop that has the, ever held the loosest, <laughs> the loosest cannon imaginable. There are no more bolts in this cannon. <laughs> and and instead of being a streetwise but rash sort of young uh, hotshot, Dick Durkin is like an alpha yeah, yeah. <laughs> in America. Like, this like awesome. This guy. This guy fucks, fucks. almost <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> You tell me you guys from Oxford don't eat breakfast? Yeah. Right after I run. You what? Run five miles every morning. What's the matter? You don't get laid? Yeah. Every night. You get laid every night and you run five miles every morning? Yeah. Except Sundays. And my girlfriend and I stay in bed and, you know, fool around. Birkin. It's disgusting. I exercise and fuck, and Harley is like, gay. (laughs) That sucks. What a shitty life it sounds like you have. Pop another fucking funny bone into my gnashing maw. They take this moment to, yeah, Harley pulls a prank on him where he ties his shoelace together, and then he turns on the siren, and and Dick Durbin hops out, right? Dick Durbin. (laughs) Senator Dick Durbin hops up. Uh, and, And Dick Durkin hops out. But instead of playing it like, oh, this is the dork, and he falls flat on his face, he kind of recovers okay. <laughs> like he 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 like falls well. He whips out his gun. He's ready for like an emergency situation. Not only is our second banana a capable sort of like person in an emergency, but that our crazy with grief hard ass also kind of a scamp. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a scamp too. He's kind of a rascal. He kind of has fun. And then, yeah, just only capitalized on when it's like, oh, all by the way, I lay pipe too. Don't, don't let the don't let the Oxford degree fool you. I'll, I I get my wicket sticky. <laughs> they used to call me Richard. He says. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Dick Durkin because I fucked a bunch of my wife's family. <laughs> Dick Durkin. Wow. Whoa. And they all loved it. I'm Dick Durkin, and I'm good at sex. That's on his campaign poster. I'm Dick Durkin, and I'm good at sex. Where's the report from the lab? 
on your desk. What did you find out? Read the report. What did you find out? Traces of Leptospirectoro. What? That's the rat virus that causes Viles disease. Any fingerprints? Just one set. Did you bring him in? No. Why not? Because they were Fosters. Hmm? Your old partner, my best friend, you remember him? Get your fucking hands off me. Do you want to tell me why you turned me in for a medical? Do I? Yeah. You really want to know? Tell me. Not because you caused the death of your best friend. Not because you ran away with his wife. Not because you then dumped her. No, but because you're past it, Stone. You're a liability. You're a fucking menace. Stone, get your hands off him. Relax. Get in my office now. It's wild that the element of this movie that we've not only glossed over, but it's also not crazy in the context of the movie, is that our main character is a psychic cop. Yes! Just yes. Kinda, we, yes. We, it's yeah. just there. We kind of just go, oh yeah, Rutger Hauer is a, a hot leading man. He's an action hero dressed like he's at a prodigy show. Like, gets <laughs> mm. to have, like, slow motion, like... Black, 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 black. Like, just gets to shoot at stuff. Like, and that's not the crazy shit. And and the thing that we, that we keep talking about yeah. is is is, is right. these the relatively normal stuff. The fact that he's a psychic cop, but in a such a blink and you'll miss it way. It's really just like I find myself more being like, whose heartbeat are we listening to? <laughs> I think it's meant to not be his. But then sometimes he seems to be having a heart attack. <laughs> And he only drinks coffee and eats chocolate. Like it's so <laughs> funny, by the way, that he's he. It's like his theory is, I'm hearing this other being's heart beating, so I need to do something that'll give me hypertension. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I need, to, I need to just be filling myself with caffeine and sugar so that the pounding of blood in my head. <laughs> Will. The only way to drum out the heartbeat is to drown it with my heartbeat. <laughs> Usually, low-budget thrillers, the thing is that either the mystery is obvious or the action sucks. Mm. Or both. And this movie kind of does both well. Like, yeah. you don't really know where it's going. The action is staged well. And it's funny, the other things that it leaves in the shadows, as it were, which is like explaining things like that, where he's got to do uppers and this thing moves so quickly and comes out of the shadows. And it's like the whole thing is like it's the fastest thing. It, it, it almost moves between motions, right? Like the idea of like like when one person turns one way and the other person is turning the other way, that's when it, it darts out somehow. You know, like, I was imagining all of the ways where not only the title makes sense, but also <laughs> the things where it's like, it's like, oh, he's trying to be faster. They can't get it. And all these things. But they mm. never really coalesce those <laughs> ideas at all. I do sort of love that. I do sort of love that this movie... I feel like a lot of movies we watch, I have like a call and response relationship to the plot where I think like, well, how did they get there? And then some character has some <laughs> ham-fisted line about how they got there, right? And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, this movie does that with ideas too. Like, I, like, oh, and even the question of like, how could this get any crazier? Mm, this movie yeah. has an answer for that as well. Always. Every time you think <laughs> that, the movie's like, whoop, I've got an answer. Did you see its eyes? What I saw was this... Huge fucking 
thing. How are you feeling? You okay? Yeah. How? I feel uh, on edge. Yeah, good. Now what? Now, we're gonna get bigger guns. Hallelujah. A3, high-powered, semi-automatic. Something bigger. What? Does the chief know you're down here? Any big guns? Big, big fucking guns. What the hell's he on? Chocolate. I wouldn't grenade on it. Right, Calico High Capacity 9mm Helicon Mag. Right. SA80. Ah, that's it too fucking small. Wow. No, that's an assault shotgun. Fully automatic. Yeah. But this, that is 650 rounds a minute. Yeah? Yeah. What do you need to shoot for? Is this thing you're after? A Sherman tank? No. What? No, no. That's a Megatron flash grenade. You could clear the jungle with one of these things. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Bingo. Let's go. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, even he says that we're not hunting it, it's hunting us or whatever. If you know that, why do y'all keep leaving each other places? Like, (laughs) though. The one thing about this movie, we get exposited that, like, you can't even turn your back on people. You need to be, like... we're going to leave Michelle in this apartment alone, where the (laughs) mom knows where I live. And has proven it can get in and out. Yes! He basically goes, like, we we have to be looking at, at each other all the time. Yeah. But you should go sit in the Jeep and let me snuggle with my girlfriend for a little while. Like, there's... There's some crazy decision making happening. Also, when like once Rucker Hauer breaks the touch barrier with uh, Michelle with Kim Cattrall, he goes in for the smooch literally <laughs> at any three point. Anytime their faces at very interesting <laughs> pass times. each other, even at the most inappropriate moments, even after the greatest traumas. At of this one particular life. time in Act Three that I put my synopsis, <laughs> he goes for a very interesting time. Listen, yeah, yeah. it's all about replacing traumatizing memories with good memories and do it in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your, your brain's going to garble this whole moment up anyway, so I might as well throw a smooch in there. You know? like... Push out of your brain the thought of this alien ripoff at its big mouth with my big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... Greg, you said Kim Cattrall got psychic powers from the bite. Did that happen? <laughs> well, that's I what think. they say, kind of. <laughs> Did that happen? Uh, they yeah, do it's... say they do say that that's her psychic link. Yeah, whether or not they actually do anything with that, completely uh, <laughs> on the editing room floor. But they, when they drive off, uh, Dick and Harley, the monster swipes open a, a Dick's car and pulls out his shotgun. Now. Eagle Eye viewers will notice Harley has an indent for the shotgun in his trunk. <laughs> a foam, 
like case for my <laughs> yeah, special. Oh, you can't just you can't just have your shotgun rolling around that's there true. like willy you're nilly. Right, Greg, that that's right. like has a big Babadook claw. Wipes <laughs> like like get, opens this trunk, takes the gun out. I'm picturing whatever the fuck this thing is now holding a shotgun. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> yes. A hilarious yes. thing. Yes. Also, this thing using a shotgun is hilarious. Considering we uh, the next scene are gonna learn it's. Flash quick and invulnerable. (laughs) Picking up the gun at all is funny. Later opens up a subway car with its hand like it's opening a can of beans. Is it like like has Freddy Krueger hands that 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 are also those Ginsu knives that can cut through fucking solid steel doors. Edward Scissor hands as seen on TV. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But Casey, there is that one incredible shot of the barrel of the shotgun and the giant ass claws surrounding yes. it. Yes. <laughs> so I funny. Fucking love it. It's hilarious and it's beautiful. It delivered. It delivered. Durkin goes to investigate movement down the street. Knowing it's the third act and the damsel is sure to be in distress, Stone leaves his gun with Michelle while he goes downstairs to check in on Durkin. Stone finds him tied up in his Jeep with blood seeping through his shirt. Meanwhile, the killer pulls a Freddy Krueger with his claws and the leather sofa underneath Michelle. Our heroes run back upstairs, but it's too late. Michelle's gone. But the killer left a message, a symbol carved into Durkin's chest. Stone makes a logic leap to end all logic leaps. What if the symbol is a map? Miraculously, it is. The symbol points to Cannon Street, the abandoned tube station where Foster was killed. To get into the station, they need to deal with the Rat Catcher, a squirrely man who lives there. With Durkin's watch and a little convincing at gunpoint, they're led to the Rat Catcher's secret little door, which I swear is not a euphemism, and let into Cannon Street Station. Like everything else in the post-eco-apocalypse London, it's flooded. Durkin takes a tumble through an underwater trap door, just like Foster did in Stone's flashback earlier. They find the rat catcher and his assistant dead behind a door. Stone talks Durkin down from a panic attack, the telltale heartbeat of the killer pounding in both of their minds. Finally, they find Michelle next to an old train car hanging from the ceiling in a circle of light. Stone's about to rescue her, but Durkin tells him not to break the circle, which is a rule now. (laughs) A quick Jaws cam tells us that the killer's lurking below the water. Durkin climbs on top of the train and has Michelle swing over to him. The killer leaps up from the water directly at camera, and we get our first good look at it. A roided-out xenomorph as drawn by Rob Liefeld. (laughs) Michelle runs along the train car's roof while the killer's claws rake through it like tinfoil. Stone unloads the auto shotgun on the car to little effect. Stone enters the train car and comes face to out-of-focus face with the killer. Durkin tosses the Megatron flash grenade in, our heroes dive to safety, and the flash grenade does what all flash grenades do, explodes in a massive fireball. (laughs) Checks out. That is a flash, though. An explosion is, in a a a sense, a kind of flash. Stone and Michelle waste no time in making out while the grenade's still exploding. But the killer's not that easily kill-erred. Stone decides to electrocute it, but the electrocuting doesn't work either. The killer grabs Stone by the throat. Stone escapes and Kali Ma's the creature, ripping out its massive heart, which screams with the voices of all of its victims. Michelle blows the killer's body to smithereens, and Stone finishes the job by obliterating the heart with his hand cannon. 
Our heroes take a celebratory speedboat ride through the River Thames while Durkin pitches the audience his new series, Detective Durkin and his psychic sidekick, Harley Stone, which, frankly, I would like to watch. Roll credits to that old black magic. I mean, also, another thing to just just put in your head, listeners. Beginning of the act... Dick Durkin goes off to like, I heard something. And I, I my heart cried out because I was like, surely this time we'd have to lose Dick <laughs> yeah. Durkin, right? We can't have three main characters now still surviving in a monster movie. <laughs> and why would the super being leave him alive? Yeah. Like, yeah. what is going on here? No, But not only leave him alive. Uh, uh, listener, imagine the fucking creature from death note right like <laughs> like tying using a necktie to tie someone up like that's what happens in this movie yeah yeah he's he got really good at sailor's knots somewhere in the in the well, in the underworld that he lives in huh what's it done to me see this is his symbol we've been looking for a meaning what if the symbol is just a map a map? Give me that mirror. Fuck! There's a circle. A triangle. A Scorpio sign. Stay in the tail. Let me see. The tail points into the River Thames. Oh, that makes sense. What do you think? It's pointing to Cannon Street. That's where fossils go. Sticking you back. It's completing the circle. If he's there, Michelle's there. Hmm? This is a crazy movie, and I'm realizing it now because the only main character to die, or the only character of consequence yeah. to die, is in flashback. Yes. Yeah. In a monster movie, all of the yeah. cannon fodder yeah. are just random people, most of which you don't see before they're dead. I'll yeah, add right. to that. It's the it's, found it's, dead bodies. It's that one. It's Foster, and it's Foster's mom, who we never see <laughs> <Yes>. on camera, <laughs> and he's only spoken about in yeah. two scenes. One of which is the one in which she dies. It's family's curse lives lives and ends an entire life <laughs> off screen. A lot of people we don't even see before they die. Some people yeah. we just happen into them already dead. So it's not only like a character that you've never seen, you won't ever see. That. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> oh, this third act rules. It's, oh, it's bananas. It's so bananas. I was only disappointed by two things in this movie and they both happened in the third act. When he realizes that the carved-in symbol on Durkin's chest <laughs> is a map. The fact that they he didn't just stick a paper map on it <laughs> yeah, and yeah. let the blood like, uh, yeah, outline oh, yeah. what it needed to outline. I was hoping for crayon relief, honestly. Like, oh, like scratching oh, yeah. my relief, and he's like, oh, <laughs> so oh, yeah. that's, stop it. Stop that's it. what I was hoping for. <laughs> I was convinced we were going to get a pentagram, and when it wasn't, I was I was both relieved because it. They were like, I was like, oh, thank God, but also what they ended up sketching was a bunch of nonsense yes. yeah. so i was like this isn't better though also wasn't one of the possible titles for this movie pentagram yes yes Ooh, that's a good one is it despite there being no pentagrams in the movie is that a reference to the fact that there were only five locations <laughs> well they were <laughs> no, i was just gonna say it had a it had a whole bunch of different titles i was wondering they that. all made a lot more sense to the plot 
But <laughs> I had to assume. I had to assume there were 18 titles that were better. And then they were like, well, well this Not is Not all the of box. them were better. The <laughs> Italian title to this movie was just called Detective Stone. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, not better. More but accurate. But it was... I, I believe it was shot under the title Black Tide, That's which I think is pretty said. good. Yeah, yeah. I like That's that one better. a lot. So apparently, originally, it was written more occulty, and they toned it down a bit because of the Lou Diamond Phillips movie, The First Power, that had come out in 1990, and so they wanted to make sure that it wasn't too similar to that. Yeah, I mean, you can't rival the... Um cultural impact that whatever you just said had. yeah that's a movie that definitely exists yeah right that's going to be on people's minds for a few years i'd imagine <laughs> this movie is sort of in that it's mind-rending and insane a cthulian threat that this yeah. killer oh, yeah. Likes. Yeah. yeah like a very personalized and very uh obviously supernatural but kind of like in calculably so well because like um, yeah anyone who sees it dies unless they're like innocent like a dog or a little blonde curly haired child <laughs> who can't speak <laughs> like if you if you can't speak its name you're safe but or if you can't describe what you saw right it fine. just sort of moves through darkness yeah but if you're touched by it and survive if you're touched by it and survive you then go you're completely insane yeah you're okay. psychically connected to it and you're driven insane and the problem with all of Lovecraft's stories. <laughs> they don't have is, the, one, the, the one problem? <laughs> uh, the truly one issue that doesn't age well about any of Lovecraft's writing is that all of the all of the protagonists, or at least as many as I've read, and I've read one whole Lovecraft book, <laughs> are always like wayfish, dorky, weak, know-it-alls. Mm. And this movie is what happens when Lovecraft situations happen to fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they fucking drink enough caffeine to keep the voices out of their head. They don't care if they hear someone going chal magosh or anything. They take out a gun. They blast first. They ask questions later. Oh I love, uh, you blew this And then they go open. home. They rail their girlfriend. They wake up and, and then they run five miles like a fucking G. Right. Oh, my God. It's Dirty Harry in the Mountains of Madness. Oh, yeah. my God. Right. It's, it's you have beheld horrors the likes of which your mortal mind could not possibly understand. Let's lock and load. (laughs) (laughs) Where's a bigger gun? Where's a goddamn bigger gun? Big Big fucking gun. Yeah, just muttering big gun to themselves until they do go get bigger guns, right? (laughs) And I sort of love It's called visualization. You know, imagining this movie was written with any sense of understanding of where it was going. (laughs) Rutger Hauer's character, like, knows at the beginning... Fighting a monster, no matter what, but is still operating from a like, I don't care how many city blocks I've wrecked, <laughs> I'm I'm going after this perp. Like treats mm. f- uh, an treats ancient Cthulhu. one yeah, as yeah. a perp, yeah, an yeah. otherworldly, <laughs> unknowable, unkillable beast. Bringing as, this guy in dead yeah. or alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna exactly. read him his Miranda rights. <laughs> You can you can take my badge after I've gone over into the nether and <laughs> drag that perp out on his ass. His seven asses. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just gonna say the first power grossed twenty two million dollars, so y'all were in the wrong. God in this damn! Story. Really? Oh shit! Lou Diamond Phillips you know was what? a hot was a hot commodity in nineteen ninety. Was. I mean enough to uh, enough to turn split second more insane, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <whatever. laughs> so I guess we have them to thank for who, at least a little knows? bit, right? We, right. We have so we owe so much to Lou Diamond Phillips for uh, who knows uh, uh, more cop stuff being put in this Kim Cattrall's whole role. Who the her, fuck? Her knows? wig. What? We don't know. <laughs> her wig. Maybe her. Or maybe wig? not wig. Maybe not wig. Or maybe not wig. Maybe it was <laughs> wig or not wig. Just what whatever whatever they had to write to be like, all right, well, this can't be a cult anymore, but it's a demon. I will find it. We'll find it again. We'll find, it again, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll find our way back. It's not yours. Stand. Good. So, let's go get it. Okay. Okay. Jesus Christ! Harley! The sword of light, circle of light. It's a circle of light. Get me! (laughs) Don't break it! I'm sorry. Wait, why can't they why can't they break the circle? I don't know. <laughs> that, that part truly was wild to me. I have it, no it idea. It took me a second. I think uh, because circles were referenced earlier. <laughs> yes, it does say circles are protection. It was it was a reflection that like it was just light. <laughs> but I think uh, what circles were referenced earlier, and because of it, Durkin understood that you know this demon's favorite move is pulling people underwater <laughs> in okay, in, okay. in tiny manholes and sewers. <laughs> so he rightfully understood that the circle that the light was creating was over uh, cuz we get a pov shot of the demon yep. underneath looking up at the hanging kim Cattrell being saved so i do think it was that now that is nothing <laughs> that is nothing. <laughs> but, then, but then Durka breaks his own rule when he goes up and he's like great now break the circle and come over to me <laughs> but 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 see you guys are I I don't know why you're assuming supernatural things in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I think it it is literally he's saying don't break the circle like on the ground. That's where the hole. Oh, is. like that's where the hole you're gonna fall in is. I don't think so. I think it's his his conspiracy theory rattled brain is telling him that it is a magic circle, much like you would put a circle. I of don't salt. think anyone's asking the right questions right now. <laughs> was that teenage Jesse yes, the Body? It was. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse the Changing Body Venture. <laughs> I don't know what these questions we should be asking is. Yeah, the way the way it steps out of the darkness behind oh. him. Yeah, don't show it. This is so good. This is such a good way to do it, right? Every time we've quote unquote seen the monster, it's like like in the flashback, 
risen out of the water before it scratches him oh, out of focus, like behind him, which was so sick. And now just like Rucker Howard's backing up towards a dark doorway and it steps out and puts a clawed hand like, do you know what this thing did? This thing did what every other character did in this movie, which was no matter what, even whether he's insulting you and calling your lifestyle choices much healthier than his, like <laughs> like beta and awful, and like, <laughs> like insulting you for it, whether he has betrayed both your best friend and his by <laughs> sleeping with uh, his wife before death, whether you have sworn during this end of days like carnage run you were having on a spiritually and literally dying planet earth it doesn't matter what you hold against Rutger Hauer if he pushes you by the lapels <laughs> against the wall you're just you're lost you're lost for a second you're like wow it's Rutger Hauer so cool <laughs> even, even the even the creature at the end like hesitates like damn I can't believe we're having this moment <laughs> Wake up in the morning yelling at a dog. <laughs> Grab my Blade Runner gun. I'm gonna hit this city. Before I leave, brush my teeth after I drink coffee. Cause I can hear a demon's heart and I'm going daffy. I'm talking threateningly to dogs. Dogs weighed down with all my guns. Guns. Diet's giving me the runs. Runs. Dit, dit, dit. Heart ripping cannibal, evil demon, topless Kim Cattrall screaming. None of it has much meaning. <laughs> Rip off the point card. No, don't stop. Uh, oh, you want me to make it pop? <laughs> the split second ripoff report card is brought to you by breakfast. You know, the stuff you shove in your face between bonbons and coffee, you schmucks. <laughs> Split seconds, buddy cop teams up salt of the earth, grizzled Harley Stone with foppish, book learned, academy trained Dick Durkin is a form as old as buddy comedies exist. For example, when ordering food, it's hilarious that while Stone is slugging his coffee in full English, Durkin orders a lapsang souchong and croissant. Now that's some mismatched law enforcement. And that trope could get an essay's worth of backstory and analysis all on its own. But that would miss the most important aspect. Lapsang Suchong is a black tea <laughs> from Camella Sinensis that is dried and smoked either over hot fire or cold smoke technique. And the resulting flavor and aroma of smoked Lapsang Suchong is described as containing empirumatic notes. Including wood smoke, pine resin, smoked paprika, and dried longan. It may be mixed with milk, but is not bitter, and usually not sweetened with sugar. Mmm, I can feel my mouth watering already. The Lapsang Suchong originated in the Wuyi Mountains during the Qing Dynasty. 
Purportedly, Lapsang Suchong was first created in 1646 as civilians of the Wuyi Mountain areas fled from Qing soldiers who were advancing through the area on their Manchu unification campaign against the Southern Ming. Wow! <laughs> Lapsang Suchang is typically made with larger, coarser leaves from the Bohia cultivar of the Camellia sinensis plant. The Bohia cultivar has been bred more readily to absorb the smoke flavoring. The coarseness of the lower leaves also allows the smoke to more readily adhere to the leaf. So crazy! Now I know you're wondering. How does one prepare a delicious cup of lapsang sucha? Just like you'd have at a dive bar in split seconds? Well, like other black teas, lapsang suchang is typically served with water at boiling or a little less than boiling, 95 degrees Celsius, 203 degrees Fahrenheit. It could be infused once for three to five minutes with two to three grams, aka one tablespoon, of loose leaf tea per 150 milliliters or two thirds of a cup of water used. Citation needed. Or through multiple infusions using five grams for 30 seconds to one minute at a time in 110 milliliters of water. <laughs> but Greg, I love the taste. What does it pair with? Well, as a tea, Lepsang Suchang is paired with meals of tuna, cod, game, eggs, or brunch. Brunch! You know, <laughs> brunch! <laughs> so next time you watch Split Second, skip the outdated and frankly obvious pairing with coffee and chocolates, and instead opt for a nice Lapsang Suchang and croissant, and soon you'll be putting the clues together like crazy. <laughs> And that has been the split second ripoff report card. <laughs> Never let me tell. Rip out all the hearts that your demon ass wants tonight. That's what I like, no matter if you wrote it right. This song was the wrong choice. I thought it when the plot was gonna be about time. I thought it was gonna be about time. Psychic cops, Kim's mop top, comic books that were not. Noah's flood, lots of blood. This is the shit I love. But this song was the wrong choice. I chose it when I thought the plot was gonna be about time. How was it not about time? It's called Split Second. It's a dystopian future movie. How was it not about time? <laughs> Rip off report card. Once again, the black mask power prevails over evil. Yes, Detective Dick Durkin and his psychic sidekick Harley Stone can relax for a moment before they are called forth once more to do battle with the forces of darkness. Durkin! Shut up! That old black magic has me in a spell. That old black magic that you so well. Classmates, I truly don't know if we've talked about Split Second. <laughs> but I have talked about Lapsang Suchong. <laughs> you know, Greg, you've replaced much of this movie in my head with facts about tea. And I think that's probably healthier for me. But just in case, what from Split Second might end up on the final test. I think this movie disproves the old adage, better the devil you know than the devil you don't, because 
The fact that I know nothing about this devil is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that this movie was written and rewritten a few times, often on the fly. Then the ending was reshot and finished by other members of the crew and all that. But having Kim Cattrall calling a giant rat monster question mark a rat bastard without a hint yes. of irony yes. at the end of the movie is the kind of ironic genius that borders on madness that this movie deserves. I believe that every one of us has know, just a secret button, right? Something that's presented in a story, a movie, a media of any sort. A special something that'll make you laugh no matter how poorly it's done, no matter what comes after it. And for me, it's yelling at animals as if they're people. <laughs> I've often cited that if you yell at animals as if they're people, you could show me anything after it and I'll still enjoy the movie. And this movie, put that to the test. <laughs> Anyone else hungry for chocolate munchkins? I'm just gonna go make a run down to Durkin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, future London runs on Durkin. That ends the class on split second, but in absolutely no time, there will be another lesson here at Video High. Next one will be on the family comedy Bingo from 1991 with just the goodest boy getting to the absolute most slapsticky, silly, funny, so good, such a good boy. Thank yous for this and every episode go to Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of the band Scout Harris for our theme song, Justin Ferrero from the band The Rizzos for our other music, and Shearer for our logo, and of course, Mr. Philip Marlowe, our teacher. Check us out at Video High Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok now, and give us a five-star review if you're feeling so generous. From all of us, Greg Hansen, Josh Roth, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Casey Regan, we'll see you next class. Also, also we barely talked about the goddamn flood that apparently hasn't flooded <laughs> the Thames matter. higher up past Big Ben. <laughs> it already was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just the Thames is kind of increasing every year, so says the news. It's briefly. apocalyptically <laughs> flooded, which just means people like have sun galoshes. Issues. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The galosh, big galoshes have have really ruined the town. The wellies have won. Simple equations, podcast network. <laughs>